0: So, I will answer a few of your, your questions the best that I can and uh, of course if it's not satisfying to you, you can uh, ask for further uh, clarification or you can uh, go and look for the references in the books that uh, I may be able to give you. And also one, one reminder that I like to tell you is that uh, whatever question you are asking, it's never a, a stupid question. In, if it has a meaning to you, uh, if it is important to you then it's uh, it is a uh, suitable and uh, and uh, it's always uh, it, it's always uh, meaningful so sometimes if uh, you think that we are laughing at about uh, the question that is asked or we are making joke or it comes to be a funny point then don't take it personally we are just uh, i mean it, it can happen that the 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 formulation of the question may bring some uh, humor, so don't worry about that. So the first one will be, uh, can you speak to the presence of wind in our lives and in our bodies and any possible antidotes when it becomes overly active during meditation? So the presence of wind in our life or in our bodies is mostly like if we see life as the as a component, the universe is just the four, it's just elements. So Chinese have five or six elements, and then Indian have uh, some schools have four elements, and so they used to see the cosmos as uh, the material uh, universe itself as composed of elements, and even the medicine itself is based on the on elements. So. Uh, the body seems uh, is represented as as a as a material constituent of uh, elements. So we can say like that. That question actually refers to the imbalance. I, I guess one one uh, aspect of the question refers to the imbalance that uh, someone may have uh, physically, in the sense of having too much wind. So, in that case, uh, the antidotes may be to just to see what is the cause and maybe like to do walking before sitting, like if you are sitting too much and you have tendency to, to, to develop some wind in the, due to indigestion or, uh, or the type of food that you have eaten, then you may consider a type of diet. I, I think beans are very uh, supportive for the, for the wind element, so you have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yes also so uh, there may be a physical cause to that also like the diet maybe or the indigestion maybe uh, this is a physical cause but also there may be the mental cause like if you practice a lot of, of, lot of anapanasati that is your mindfulness of breathing and breathing itself is a wind element uh, as a predominant so, if the attention is focused, uh, is concentrated in, in one specific area of the body, then uh, the characteristic of the wind is pushing and uh, and supporting. So, pushing. Uh, if it is too condensed, if it is too uh, intensify in, uh, in in one area, it may cause tension and uh, headache. For example, if it is in the in the head area, so in that case. Uh, if the the, the the mind is uh, diluting the, the, the attention that means diffusing that, the, the attention throughout the body then the, that uh, concentration of the wind element will not create a, a physical uh, difficulty that will be concentrated in that uh, like for example in the head. So you have to see all. Uh, how much the elements, how much you can balance your, the, the elements in your body by your posture or by your exercises, by your diet and also with the type of meditation that may, uh, that may, uh, uh, well, help to, uh, help to, 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 not to have a problem uh, out of it. So the, the other one is the, I am hearing Uh, some sound of music that uh, uh, that comes from time to time in my meditation is there any significance to the sounds uh, we hear Uh, not in this meditation but there can be meditation that that focus on the meaning of sound or that are using sounds as a as an object for investigation and also for simulating the uh, the meditation but we are not using sound and uh, if sound is coming to you then it may just be uh, as well if you don't pay attention to it. Of course, like uh, when the mind is getting more refined, then the, all the all this, the the five senses and the mind also get more refined. So your 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 vision get more clarified, and uh, uh, your taste is more uh, acute, and also everything that is related to the sense. So the, the the your your power of hearing also may be more sensitive. This is quite possible, yeah. and some people can develop, you know, what is called uh, the divine ear element and then you can hear sounds very far away even in the uh, in the in the Deva world, in the, the world of Deity. So, uh, don't consider it too seriously. For example, if you are meditating and then you are really in good meditation, you think you're progressing and you're going to a very special uh, state of mind and then you at a certain point you hear some uh, some music in the background and it's very beautiful. You have never heard that type of music so you think you get connected with, uh, with some devarium and uh, after you finish your meditation then you realize that uh, it was just uh, a bug that was c- cut in the windows. <laughs> so be careful about the interpretation of that type of things. So the sun going in, the in and out of the clouds Change the limita sharply. Are there instructions around this? So, of course, the the, the external light the external light may change the the, 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 the the perception that you have in your mind because the the vision or the the, the light itself will will get into your uh, visual or uh, visual field and it will affect the mind. So. If it is too much, then the, the point is to remember where, uh, on what is the limita based on. So that is, if you are looking for a light, see that it is plugged at the right place, uh, because you have many types of light. So if you are not able to distinguish what is the, the, the source of or, or what is the cause of your light, then, then it may be very confusing, but if you are sure, you okay, know, the, the, that the light or the brightness that I am observing, actually, that became an imita, is based on the breath. So, by knowing where you observe the breath, by knowing what is the breath really carefully, then the imita that will appear will represent the that breathing, and then it will become a mental image that will be uh, st- very stable. And uh, whether there is influence from the external light, uh, it may not make a, a big difference because the quality of the mind will be. Uh, uh, will be settled that is you don't allow the clouds to come in they, they can affect the sun, but uh, they should not come in your mind so if the mind is very balanced and uh, your object is clear from the beginning, then it has less chance that uh, that the that you get the problems with the, uh, over uh, over light but in some cases people are uh, getting disturbed by the light and they put some curtain or, or they use something things uh, on the eyes just to diminish the, the impact of the external light until their object of meditation, their nimitta, is, is uh, stable and clear enough so that they, they don't need to depend on that uh, blocking of the light. For example, if someone has a good nimitta and uh, he is very familiar and the nimitta is very well established, so even when walking anywhere, Walking when walking, the person is able to keep the the, the nimitta uh, in mind. The person is keep is able to keep a very stable nimitta when he is when he or she is walking. So the the light eventually will not uh, will not disturb the the the, the, the clarity of uh, the inside nimitta. So I think I think this may be answering the question. So I think that uh, this other question is related to the same thing. Sometimes I am not sure whether I am seeing the nimitta with my eyes or via the mind. Is there any way to be sure that the eyes are not being used to see the nimitta? So the point is that uh, if we start, if we know that the breath has not to be known by the eyes, the breath is not a visual object for the consciousness. Uh, for the visual con- consciousness the breath has to be apprehend, apprehended according to the to the commentary like the Visuddhimaga, the breath has to be apprehended by touch that means it's a, it's a tactile object so you know it through the, the the sense of touch not not with the eyes like sometimes if you are using the 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 Cassina objects like uh, some of you will de- will develop some meditation where you are uh, using actually an, an external object like the the color of a uh, the, uh, not The, the, the color of, uh, of an object like bones or a flower or anything that is colored, that external color can be used for, uh, uh, for developing your meditation. It, becomes a, it can be used a, as an object. So, uh, so the breath is not the case. The breath is first felt by the body consciousness through tactile uh, impression so from the from the, the, the quality of the mind that is observing the breathing process always at the same place then eventually that breath becomes to be perceived by the mind itself and then uh, if from the beginning the eyes are are are, are kind of uh, uh, put aside and all the all the, all the other body uh, not body but all the other senses also are not giving too much importance then the that tactile experience of the breath will just uh, uh, will just uh, i mean di- di- diminish a little bit and then the the the, the, the mind will only the or will perceive the object and in that case the eyes will have been shut off or, or, or put out of uh, of uh, function for quite a while before but if if I, if at the beginning you think oh i should see the breath and then they speak about seeing the limiter and then you try to focus you know on uh, to put your eyes in, on the nose and uh, to to to, fo- to use the, the eyes to 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 place the uh, the object to place the location of uh, of uh, where you observe the bread then it's not uh, it's not the best thing so at the beginning if you see that your eyes are in uh, uh, in usage then just relax and just breathe normally and then just feel, just feel the breath and then eventually just feel the breath where the breath is arising that is at the entrance of the uh, uh, the nostrils if you breathe by the nose which most people do and, but not everybody hmm. not all the time <laughs> uh, Can you talk about the relationship between Tibetan and Theravadan Buddhism Th- between Th- Tibetan and uh, Buddhism so uh, the relationship is that uh, both of uh, those schools of uh, of Buddhism relates to the buddha's teaching this is a fact and uh, also the fact is that uh, uh, different schools took different types of uh, uh, distinction or Different types of development, de- depending on the on the culture in which it evolved, and also depending on the the, the, the period of time where uh, uh, the school took uh, took birth. For example, the Tibetan Buddhism, I think, was uh, started in India. It, it started like to come to Tibet from India, maybe around the which century, the twelfth. Okay, so about that time, so that means already already one thousand years after the the death of the Buddha and mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. longer than that yes yeah fourteen hundred years. Yeah, yeah. years so uh, the, the the cultural uh, change and the, the, the influence the development of Buddhism in India already had gone through a large stage of of development a large stage of of change and uh, so it is that type i mean it is from this uh, uh, developed buddhism that uh, that the tibetan uh, uh, got their um, their developed also their type of uh, buddhism so uh, there had been some exchange between, like the you you find like I think in the I think in Tibet that the, there is the record that uh, some Tibetan monks went to study, of course, in India. You know, so when they when they they they, they, they took the Buddhist knowledge and the Buddhist Dhamma from India, they took all the what 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 was ever from what was available there in the schools of these days. But also they came uh, to Sri Lanka and they they, they brought some texts also from Sri Lanka. There are records about that. You know, so uh also to, to probably to some other countries i think you must have come to uh, to burma sometimes also uh, it is recorded that uh, some tibetan monk at least one came to burma about uh, 200 years ago and then he was uh, also he, he was involved in teaching so uh, there had been some relationship but still, so far as I know, it seems that uh, the schools themselves uh, like to keep their orthodoxy and also like to keep the the principle by which they identify themselves. So I don't know if it is not complete, then there are a lot of books that is talking about that you can read. We we are more emphasizing on, on practice. So if it, if it is connected to practice, you know, the, the, the core of, the, of Buddhism itself is to understand, is understanding. So understanding and, uh, you know, with the art of uh, compassion. So this is the core of Buddhism and all those schools are, are, are trying to, to, to come to that, uh, to that essence, although they may uh, be differentiated from, uh, from each other. So when one is keeping the eight precepts outside retreat environment, is it still pure to hug a person of the opposite sex if the intention is clearly unsexual? So whether it is outside the retreat or inside the retreat environment, the precepts remains the same. So, if it is uh, pure to other person, if there is no uh, clearly unsexual uh, intention, then of course it's not uh, it's not a problem. And uh, if not, then is it then still being kept, if one shakes hands, like uh, if in a business environment or with the opposite sex, the opposite sex so the thing here is uh, clearly the, the intention the intention is not impure uh, so that, that that's a big deal of the of the precepts and uh, if it relates to the uh, to the the third precept of, of uh, like if someone takes as you know if you take only the five precepts it, it the, the, that precepts relates only to the misbehavior in sexual activities or misbehavior in the sense like kamishu uh, michacha but uh, Uh, When someone takes the eight precepts, that precept is more strict and uh, refers especially to celibacy. So, in both cases, uh, then celibacy means a complete uh, abstinence from uh, sexual activity. So, uh, in both cases, the thing is that uh, to break the precept, that precept, they they say here that uh, one must be. one must be with a uh, man or woman with whom improper, uh, imp- impre- uh, with whom it is improper to have sexual intercourse. So number one, I- improper. The, the the person should be an improper uh, type. And the second one, then there must be the intention to have the sexual uh, intercourse. Third, there there must be an act done to have the sexual intercourse. And then fourth. Uh, there must be enjoyment of the contact of the organs. Uh, in all the four uh, cases, uh, the, the the precept is violated if uh, if it is if it is broken. If uh, if the four precept, if those four causes are, are are present, then the the precept has to be taken again. So related to the uh, eight precepts, though, in a business environment, if you shake uh, hands to the other person, so the point is that uh, uh, this is okay, but uh, in the other hand, if you have a sandwich and eat it after 12 o'clock, then you are breaking one of the uh, eight precepts, even if it's a vegetarian sandwich. What is the Bhavanga as in uh, sleeping into Bhavanga? So the word Bhavanga means uh, a continuum of existence or factor of existence, so the factor of life. And uh, this represents the the state of mind, the, the 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 function of consciousness when the consciousness is not operating through the uh, five senses. So when when the the five senses are not operating, and also when the mind uh, as the the mental the mind consciousness is not operating, then uh, the mind is in uh, they say that it is in Bhavanga, This is the uh, it can be also translated as an unconscious mind, but uh, some people have uh, doubts about that. It's the mind that is not uh, active. So, uh, when uh, somebody dies, then at the rebirth moment, there is a moment of, of consciousness. But what keeps the the the, the life continu- co- continuing is the is that. Uh, is is the mind that is uh, arising constantly but that mind is not active and keeps, is not keeping uh, one of the objects that is uh, uh, being activated by the the present uh, five uh, consciousness. So they say also that the Baranga is having as an object, it is having the the object that the person had when he was... uh, at the death moment of the previous life and it's always the same object. For more details you can look in the Abhidhamma uh, uh, definition, the, di- the dictionary The dictionary, also in the library is giving a very p- a precise a technical uh, explanation about that. So what is exactly access uh, concentration? Does it only imply accessibility to absorption or can it be Used to describe a strong uh, concentration on objects that do not uh, lead to jhana. So the meaning of access concentration is that uh, it is opening the door to uh, to, to the possible uh, full absorption. So it is access. So it gives access to uh, uh, to full uh, concentration. And. Uh, Sometimes it can imply only the accessibility to absorption that is uh, there is no access if uh, there is nothing it's not called it will not be called access if there is nothing further to uh, to, to, to go into like if there is no the, not the possibility to uh, to go into full uh, absorption with with a specific object then uh, uh, although uh, technically we cannot say that it, this is access concentration but as a name but Uh, it is also uh, excess concentration, but it cannot lead further. That is, uh, so it is depending on on the object. Like here, can it be used to describe the strong concentration on objects that uh, do not lead to jhana? So objects that do not lead to the jhana, for example, if you, uh, meditate on, uh, on, on Sila or if you meditate on the qualities of the Buddha or generosity or the Four Element Meditation because, if you, because by using these objects of meditation uh, the, the objects are not uh, strong enough or don't have the potential to sustain a, a long attention of your mind so uh, the, although they can be called access concentration they will not give access to the full absorption But nevertheless, they are called excess uh, concentration. So do you understand that? Do you understand what I mean? Like excess concentration, if you use an object like an apana, this has the potential to lead us to, uh, to the fourth jhana. So before uh, somebody enters the four, the, the, the first jhana, the first the full absorption, then it will be called access uh, concentration. Like uh, uh, if you come to a house, to if you come to a house, then there is the reception room. So when you enter the reception room, then you are almost in the house, but you are not still. You are still not inside the house as such. Uh, so we could call that access to the house, but if you just enter a reception room where there is no house, then, uh, then it's just the reception room that, 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 is, that is there. You cannot go to the, <laughs> to the house because it doesn't exist. So here we have, uh, what are the Vipassana Jhana? Is this a term uh, in the Pali Canon or is it a contemporary concept? Uh, actually, it is a term in the Pali Canon that that can be found in the uh, some of the commentaries to the Abhidhamma. And uh, the point to distinguish is the the what they call the, the sphere of consciousness. So there are different spheres that uh, Abhidhamma is classifying consciousness. So basically, we can say that uh, there is the sensual sphere, the Karma Vachara type of uh, chitta of uh, consciousness. So this is the consciousness that that is related to the senses. And uh, after that you have the Rupa Vachara uh, uh, chitta. that is the sense, the, 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 the consciousness that's, that is connected to the fine material uh, sense sphere, like this is the field of the jhana for example. And then you have the Arupa Vachara uh, chitta. This is the consciousness that is connected to the field of uh, uh, immaterial jhana, and then you have another type of uh, f- sphere that is uh, beyond uh, all worldly, uh, uh, all worldly. Uh, it's not connected with, with worldly uh, uh, sphere. It is unworldly sphere. Lokuttara, vachara. So those are the, uh, for example, those are our four sp- sphere of uh, of consciousness. So. Uh, what is called a vipassana jhana is that, uh, uh, what is called a jhana, first of all, is uh, there are many descriptions of jhana, but uh, one meaning is that uh, jhana is comes from jayati, that means to contemplate, and also jhana in the sense of uh, jayati also. but. Uh, in the sense of burning so it, d- it is burning the defilements it is burning the uh, the opposite uh, it is burning the entrances and and and, and uh, that type of thing so because of that it is called jhana so there are also uh, jhana as contemplation then you have the a type of jhana that is called uh, arama aramana Upanidjana, upanidjana. that means uh, a jhana that is, uh, that is having as a supportive uh, cause for uh, contemplation, an object Aramana, so this is based on an object and this type of uh, jhana is uh, mostly the, the jhana that, that relates to the Samatha uh, practice, so that is the the, the objects of, uh, of Samatha and this type of uh, jhana can lead to, uh, to full absorption. And the other type of jhana, so this type of jhana is like, uh, the, the regarding to the sphere of consciousness, it is the jhana that are related to the uh, uh, fine material sphere and also immaterial sphere. Although, when somebody experiences the jhana in the unmundane field, mundane sphere, then it's also an object, but it is not in that classification of uh, anamana U- upanidjana. It is in the other classification. That is the second one is the lakana upanijana. That is the jhana that is depending on uh, on the, the characteristics to uh, to establish itself. So we have two types of jhana, the, the jhana that depend on an object that is a samatha object and the jhana that depend on the characteristics, of, uh, the characteristics that, that are being contemplated. So the characteristics of uh, the, the someone will be contemplating when uh, they are practicing vipassana. So the lakana, the, the characteristics are the means uh, to which the mind will get concentrated and are the means uh, that will support that type of consciousness that is called the vipassana uh, jhana. And uh, this type of jhana, the vipassana jhana, is only to the, uh, the, sphere of mon, the, the, the the sphere of the sensual sphere, the first uh, vachara that I told about, the kama vachara jhana. So the vipassana jhana is only related to the kama vachara uh, type of consciousness. But uh, also when someone experiences the uh, Nibbāna, so at that time it's uh, lukutara, a Lūkutāra, sphere of consciousness. But uh, because it is the fruit of observing the characteristic that uh, someone is uh, looking at in the ta- at the time of Vipassana, then it's also uh, called uh, uh, Lācāna Upanidjāna. Yeah, so... I think uh, this is the explanation. So the word exists, the word exists, but when uh, we speak about the Vipassana Jhana, it's not uh, uh, specified about Okinawa, First Jhana, Second Jhana and things like this. When there is only one Vipassana Jhana and and this is when one is contemplating the the characteristic of existence or when one is contemplating the Nibbana. So when one contemplates the the, the characteristic of uh, existence, the, the Lakana, then the, because the investigation always need to be there, then the, the wittaka and the wichara, the initial application of the mind and the sustained application of the mind of the, jana, of the first jhana need always to be there. So it is, uh, it is different. Uh, those are different fields of, uh, of jhana. But the vipassana jhana has its name there. Uh, much research is being done on brain function, function using MRI uh, machines etc and meditation and its uh, effects on the brain does a concentration practice have any basis besides the physical uh, brain function or is it uh, or is the whole thing only biological so of course we can uh, we can see the effect of uh, meditation practice on the brain itself, because brain is, a, is part; it's a muscle, and the, the, the mind cannot uh, occur without the, the physical support. So, the mental activity is is uh, depending on the brain organ also. So, the, the research that is being done on the brain as a as an organ is a revealing of all uh mind is influencing ma- matter and also all the 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 organ itself will uh is is uh, related to uh, uh to the mind so um so does concentration practice have any, have any basis besides the physical brain function So, of course, the concentration practice uh, has other bases besides the physical brain function. It's not only uh, biological. I think if we, although uh, comparison with computer is not the best, uh, still we we, we could make a comparison (coughs) with with this, I think, like the, the computer is just a machine. And uh, so the machine is, is having different, different types of function and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a machine that is working. Uh, I mean, it, it is just a, a machine. I don't understand about mechanics so much. But uh, we can see the different function that uh, the, the machine is operating when we, we look at it. It's technical and it's mechanical. So the same thing with the brain. But what is there as an information that, is, uh, that the machine is giving to us is something different. So it is the same, like uh, uh, the, the 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 type, the different types of consciousness that we may have, uh, could be reflected in the in the operate the biological function of the brain. That is, the brain will manifest uh, special patterns and also will uh, will use areas that are that are stimulated by some specific uh, mental exercises. This is obvious, but. Uh, the purpose of uh, the meditation or the pur- the purpose of uh, concentration is not to activate only a muscle. It is it is to activate a part of consciousness that bring understanding, that bring wisdom, that is it brings uh, uh, new informations to us. And what are the informations that uh, meditation is br- is is giving to us? It's, it's the meditation is giving us a kind of perspective on, on everything, on every phenomenon. So it's a type of information that cannot be processed, it cannot be evaluated by machine. That's why it is different. Although uh, the, 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 the mechanical or the biological uh, impact of meditation on our organism, and more specifically to the brain, can be verified and also can be evaluated then it's not the only purpose of uh, of the meditation. Meditation is just uh, is more than that, and it covers the field of uh, of uh, the opening up of consciousness to something that is beyond only a mere biological uh, 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 process. Like of course, like they they define that uh, uh, the brains uh, get activated by certain types of exercises or you know mental activity, and you have some people who are. Uh, specialists in some fields like the musicians for example they are they specialize in, in specific things using the, the coordination of their fingers so that that very specific uh, coordination of uh, of part of the body like I think uh, dance or any uh, any, uh, any uh, training that, that is uh, asking the brain to, to, to give more uh, uh, effort or asking the brain to get more developed as a, as a, it's like it is a stimulating activities there. So meditation also it is the same thing. So for example, the musicians have more, uh, they have a part of the brain that is uh, uh, slightly de- more developed than than the people who don't practice the music. So, same thing with the meditators, They find that meditators have, have areas mm-hmm. and also that are able to use the pot- some potential of the brain that uh, other meditators don't have. Uh, those, who are not, uh, uh, those who are not meditating, those uh, who are not meditating, don't have. So, uh, research, brain research is interesting in this, uh, by, as far as it can evaluate the, the different uh, degree of, uh, u- of usage of the brain but uh, it cannot we cannot limit ourselves to the to the biological aspect of uh, analysis because there are domains that we cannot understand with mere uh, rationality and uh, only with the machines so i think uh, it ensures the question and i'm sure that uh, many of you will have a very interesting comment to do <laughs> could you please say more about practicing with the effect of hunger faintness, dizziness, weakness of uh, body and mind uh, so it's just that uh, when we practice to be able to to practice in any kind of conditions help us to, to, to develop uh, to develop more independence to, uh, to what is happening to our body. But nevertheless, uh, to starve ourselves or to purposely diminish the strength of our body is not at all the purpose of meditation. And this type of uh, attitude, if, uh, if sometimes we want to develop that, that is uh, to weaken the, the, the body uh, strength, to, to have a more peaceful mind, is not the suitable uh, is not the uh, it's not it's not appropriate but uh, hunger can be used just to see okay now what is there am i really hungry so if we look at our mind we see that uh, what the body is actually get uh, as a kind of rhythm so we have an organic rhythm that we are developing by habit so, if we are used to eat, eat in the evening and then uh, all in a sudden we are cut off from the food uh, input, then the body will complain and uh, there will be it will manifest itself as hunger. And uh, uh, but this is an habit, is just an habit. So all kinds of habit also can be changed. So uh, if someone is able to listen and to to to, to look at the anger hunger properly, then uh, it can be used for something. But uh, but definitely, if it brings a faintness, dizziness, and weakness, then uh, I mean, a remedy should be uh, should be taken. That is, uh, this is uh, it comes to the point of uh, of uh, of uh, medical uh, uh, concern. And they say that uh, hunger is the hunger is the greatest uh, disease. So it's a fact. So if, uh, if that type of weakness is, uh, is manifesting itself, then uh, we should take some medicine in the sense of uh, strengthening uh, our body so that, it is, uh, that, so that it is strong. An example of that, I don't remember exactly the quotation, but uh, there is a quotation, I mean, there is a story in the, I think, in the Visuddhimagga, and it says, it gives the example of uh, two monks, and uh, of course, you know, you know that monks are not eating in, in the evening time. So it's the story of two monks who are going for alms in the morning, and uh, they have not yet eaten since the, 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 the following the, since the, the previous day. And the, one of the monk is an elderly monk, and uh, the other one is a young uh, a young monk. And uh, so they go on alms round, and uh, and then as soon as they arrive to the first house, uh, they offer some kind of rice grow. And uh, then the old monk he just sits down and he just he drink the the rice grill all in a sudden and uh, very eager to to to, to eat and uh, so when they come back uh, from the arms round at the monastery then the, the young monk uh, I think I'm not sure about the story if someone has more precision if uh, if I am wrong you please correct me but uh, uh, when they come back to the monastery then the young monk says you poor old monk you know what is this just eating like. a like craving for food like this. And then the point is that uh, when the old monk, he took the, the, the rice roll, then he calmed down the the fire of his stomach and then he became very comfortable. And then he attained a So then the old monk said, he told him, well, why do you scold an Arahant? That is uh, the food that been a support for his practice. And uh, so the body ne- the body needs the food. So, uh, if we use the food as a medicine, then uh, then then this is the right use of it. And uh, if we see that there is any weakness or, or dizziness that is uh, arising out of uh, because of lack or improper input of uh, the diet, then we should, uh, if we can, it is good to uh, to 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 uh, to, um, to alleviate it or, or to improve it. But the, the only thing is that by not eating in the evening, you just like the monks—they they, they, they could as well eat in the evening. but uh, The rule is not to eat because they are uh, uh, they are giving up that type of thing. So this is the monk's thing. What if uh, that's a good another? That's a, another question that is um, maybe needing more elaboration. What if what if rather than renounce the world? We care ourselves. We gave ourselves to it. This has its obvious and not so obvious difficulties, but also benefits anyway. Without possessions, it seems both paths head in the same direction. Any thought? That's interesting, I think. So you can you can reflect about that. What if, rather than renounce the world, we gave ourselves to it? So I would say that uh, uh, if we are not clear about what we are doing, then if we gave ourselves to it, it's, uh, uh, there is a kind of renunciation. We renounce our will to care for other people but uh, the thing is that uh, very easily if, if it's not clear, very, very easily we follow the world moods. So instead of caring for the world then uh, uh, we get cut we get up in the world and that's the most difficult thing. So both paths head in the same direction this is true because uh, the purpose of uh, spiritual life is, uh, is to understand ourselves and uh, we cannot separate ourselves from the world. So if we are in the world, then we can understand the world and also we can understand ourselves. And if we understand ourselves, we can also uh, understand the world that is outside. But uh, I would say like in regard to renounce the world or in regard to, uh, to get away from the world like what you are doing now. Uh, gives the possibility uh, to get a different perspective that we will not get uh, by being completely involved in the world. It's like uh, like uh, in the medical field. If, uh, if you are always caring for patients and uh, all the time involved into uh, curing the sick in the busy hospitals, then uh, you may understand a lot about patients, but uh, would you necessarily understand about the subtleties of disease, like you have uh, some very uh, microbiological causes or viruses and things like this. So those subtle types of disease can be uh, verified and also can be researched and uh, examined in laboratories so if you don't have the seclusion of the laboratory and if you don't have the tools that the laboratory will offer to you, then you will it will be very difficult to understand, okay, now the, the real cause, like it took uh, quite a while for uh, medicines to realize that, uh, well, the principle of virus, for example, it was discovered mostly uh, during the last century. So. Uh, so it was discovered because uh, people look uh, with uh, uh, with uh, special uh, instruments in, uh, in, in a research context, not in the busy active uh, environment. So this is one thing with the meditation. It's like uh, we are in our uh, research laboratory and we are looking uh, a little bit deeper about the causes of... Uh, of uh, suffering and the causes of uh, happiness, and uh, we are looking at life, but life in a very subtle way, in a very subtle uh, dimension that is in a more, uh, uh, more, in, 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 more introspective in type of uh, of uh, life. But also, if we are just in the laboratory all the time, then we, it's difficult to see if uh, the medicine that we have found or if the, the the result that we have come about in our research are effective or not. So both are necessary. Once you get the result, or when once you you have some hypothesis about the the cause of a, a disease, then you have to try to apply in the hospital or, or with real patients. So. Uh, by coming out of the, mon- of the laboratory and then uh, trying to see what, uh, trying to, to find, okay now the new medicine or, or, or the, 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 my understanding of the disease, is it appropriate, and uh, is it working? Is that medicine effective for me? So you see the impact of your practice when you are in the, in, in the active uh, environment where you have chosen to, to live. so it's really a question of choice and uh, also it's a question of attitude so if the mind is clear about uh, the involvement that we have with the world then, uh, then it's, very, it's fine and, and, and it does not uh, matter so much uh, about, uh, about what, is, uh, what we should do. We should do what we need to do and sometimes we need to be active and then really sharing and then be directly involved and sometimes also we need to be more reflective and to, to, to put the things in perspective. So those two approaches, uh, actually, if you most of you know, but uh, uh, in the history of mankind, this has been a paradox, like uh, starting from the ancient Greek. They, they say, okay, now, what is the purpose of philosophy? The, so some people say the purpose of philosophy is to act in the society. So philosophy, at a certain point, had as an aim, politic. So it was involved with the groups. Politic means police. That means uh, the... Uh, that means the city that is that we are living in group as a, as a community, so to be active in the community and then to be uh, active as a as a social member of a, of a group was the purpose of philosophy, but also there was another uh, aim and it was contemplation, so they say that the purpose of philosophy finally is contemplation, so it developed like the Aristotle uh, developed more that aspect and uh, so both are actually complen- com- complementary. If there is no contemplation, it is difficult to be active. Uh, uh, it is difficult to bring a full. Uh, the, the compl- the, the, it, it is difficult to bring activity to its full uh, potential. I think, or to, to, to bring a full uh, efficacy to uh, to to our activity. Also. Uh, I think, like uh, some of you may know hermann Hermann Hess or you know the the Swiss or German writer, so most of his novels are about that okay uh, okay now there is the bad and the good, and then there is always two personage and they represent actually the the, the myth that that is uh, that we see in um, like uh Zoro, Zoro Zoroastra, or you know the the duality manichism. So you have the positive or the positive and the negative. So which side do we need? Do, do which side shall we uh, uh, put ourselves? So in the in the novels of that uh, writer, uh, very often the, the 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 personage will represent two opposites. So. In one of his uh, books, the, the personage is somebody who is co- completely, they are two friends that know each other uh, since they are young. And uh, when they grow up, one decides to really to be completely involved in the world and to be active and to do everything he, he likes, just being uh, you know, uh, involved in the world. And then the other one choose to go as an ascetic and just to leave the world and, uh, and try to find a philosophical... Uh, Enigmas, you know, by himself, by uh, by meditation. So they spend the story is that they spend many years on their own, and uh, after a few decades, when they are old, they meet again, and actually they shake hand. And both of them went into very, uh, I mean, uh, difficult periods, but also very uh, fruitful periods. But uh, although they had different paths, then they came to the conclusion that uh, that life is all, and Way, whichever way you go, then uh, what is important is the, the attitude you have towards that. I think I think this is the I think this is the conclusion. That is uh, the type of mind that is coming out. The type the the, the mind that we are uh, uh, developing by experience by experiencing everything. So that mind is what is uh, most important. That is a balanced and a very uh, open type of mind. So, how to develop that type of mind, this is what we are uh, trying to learn here, but sometimes also it can be complemented by, um, well, anyway, (laughs) it's two sides of the same coin, (laughs) it's life in general. Another question is about the Pali names that uh, the monks are having. So, if someone uh, becomes a, a monk or a nun, the names, Pali names are given. And uh, here they, they, they ask about our name. So, I don't think it is very uh, important. But nevertheless, I will give you the meaning. Uh, like the Sayado, the meaning of the Sayado means a reverent teacher. And uh, the title also is given. When the, that teacher, when a teacher is representing an area or a monastery or a village or something like that, so the parak means this is the the village of parak and Toya is the the name for forest. So it is the forest uh, monastery. It is the the, the the teacher, the the reverend teacher of the forest of the forest of the parak village, and uh, this is the name of the this is the title of uh, somebody who is a sado and uh, then also there is a personal name that is given to uh, to every monk when they are uh, taken ordination so uh, the, his name is uh so achinna means uh, one who has got uh, <coughs> the habit of uh, of practicing so here it refers to the practice of the of the Noble Eightfold Path of the Buddha, so one who has got into the habit of good things. And uh, this variable is uh, Ugo Sita, and the name is uh, famous, but famous for for the sila and uh, renowned for sila, samadhi and panya. And my name is uh, Jagara, and that means uh, wakefulness, uh, awake, uh, wakefulness uh, not sleepiness. Yes, alert, alert, yes. So, the last question here is, uh, it is relating to uh, could you please explain about the strong determination the Pali word for for this and its uh, meaning. So the Pali word for strong determination is aditana, and that means Tana means to stand. So Aditthana means a strong, a strong determination to stand for something. So you are standing for something that you have decided to uh, to achieve or that you are uh, that you are, that you are representing. So when uh, someone is taking the the Aditana or the strong determination, it is uh, the strong determination to to achieve or, or to 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 keep the mind anchor in that goal. so when uh, someone uh start the practice then uh, then then he or she can make a have a strong resolve and a strong determination to for example to, to remain seated for one hour or to keep the mind uh, focus on the meditation object or the strong de- a strong determination in, in something uh, specific related to the uh, to the meditation I think that's clear enough. If it's not clear, then we can. Uh also, here, can you speak about a prayer and resolve before beginning uh, a formal session? So it is the same thing. When you start, then it's good to to put yourself in a good mood and. Uh, if somebody wants to to make a wish or a prayer then he can uh, he can orient the, the, the his meditation as a as he wish but uh, so the prayer and the resolve is, is it is just going to orient the practice the way that uh, that we want to uh, to orient it it's a dedication to the practice and also uh, the, dedica- the dedication is based on a wish so if we have any wish then we can uh, uh, we we can mentally think about it and then commit ourselves to the to the practice it, it keeps us uh, motivated There was also a question here, but uh, I don't know if I, if 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 it, this is the the right answer, about the rites and the rituals. So somebody asked me, okay, now we come here and we are supposed to, uh, like the sotapanna. they say that Sotapana is, uh, has abandoned any attachment for uh, rites and rituals and ceremonies. And the person was saying, well, we come here and uh, we are supposed to relinquish that. And I'm not sure if the person was kind of... Uh, upset with, uh, with the setup here like that is when you see monks or you have to bow and then monks also or people are bowing in front of the Buddha. So anyway, the point with the right, uh, rites and rituals uh, in regards to, uh, to someone who is a sotapanna, it's, it's not necessarily that the person is, uh, is not going to perform any rites or rituals. It is simply that someone is not going to be attached to that and is not going to believe that uh, those rites or rituals are going to uh, to, 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 to fulfill uh, some type of uh, magical wishes. So the, the, the belief in regard or the understanding in regarding the purpose of the rites or rituals are, are banished. I mean, they are, they are no more existent. So there can be still uh, rites and, and rituals. I remember when I when we came uh, to sri lanka then there was an old monk you know and then as westerner when you come to asian country you are expecting uh, well big things from uh, from buddhism or from those uh, those senior monks so there was an old monk very nice monk and uh, he had a lot of metta and uh, he was in charge of a uh, of a monastery for young novices and so he had to deal with many monks and uh, many many young monks so every morning and that monk also at the at the uh, reputation to be uh, very spiritually uh, advanced and he was a very good speaker and also a very good meditator. So, uh, when we look at the monk, then the monk, every day he he is joining the young monks and he goes for all kinds of uh, ceremonies and puja and uh, chanting and all kinds of things that are, uh, that have to be done as a a rule in the monastery. So, Uh, The question may arise, well, is that a spiritually advanced person? The point is that uh, although the person is is just doing all those things, he understands the purpose and he is not attached to the rites or the rituals. So you may light incense, but uh, depending on how you view uh, that action, it makes a big difference. So when someone uh, becomes more uh, awakened or enlightened, then. then the the, the 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 actions or the what is called a rite or ritual will take a completely different meaning inside the person but the external manifestation may not be changed but the internal aspect will be changed that is there will be there will be not too much attachments regarding that i think this may answer the question i'm not sure So that would be also, so this is it. So with the monks, I don't know if you are comfortable or not comfortable, but it's up to you. you there is no obligation for you to, uh, to put your hand like that and, uh, you know, to, to, to respect the monks. But in Asia, if you have been there, you see that the respect is part of uh, monks and uh, are part of the society. So there, is a, there are some behaviors that, uh, that are uh, practiced there and also regarding uh, any kind of setup that is in the monastery. There is just a, a traditional uh, approach to it, and it's just a tradition. So if we know that uh, those things are, are signs of uh, another tradition, we can respect it. Respecting it without uh, judging it from the beginning, like uh, I think some of the Westerners that came to Asia in the old days, you know, a few centuries back, then uh, they came to Buddhist countries, you know, the Westerners, and then they some of them made the comment because they, they, they had some uh, strong uh, religious uh, prejudice because of the culture, and then the comments were, were that all uh, uh, oh, the Buddhists they are uh, idolite, idol idolite, is it the word? Yeah, yeah. Huh? I yeah. Don't. yeah. Because they worship the Buddha, they worship the statue, so they think uh, they, they, they say this is just idolatry. But if you don't understand what is is in the the mind of those people and what represents just the the, the effigy or what represents the the image of the the Buddha for for those who worship him, then uh, you don't understand what is... uh, It can be misunderstood. So this is it for tonight. On this, view. yes. Um, you said that um, when the nemata becomes stable, the uh, variance in the external light will affect the clarity. Um, will it also not affect the brightness of the nemata? So the nemata is stable, yes. but when the sun comes in at, or, or when the cloud comes, will, will that not change the brightness of the nemata or would the nemata? even though it's stable, change the brightness. No, it may change the, uh, the brightness. Like for example, you know the, the, the night switch, the night light that you have in the corridor. Huh? Yes. So they are, uh, they are put, sometimes they keep um, a light They, they, they keep a light all the day. So at nighttime, they are very bright because they are in darkness. Right. Huh? So if you look at it, then it's very obvious because you are in darkness. But in the daytime, if you look at those lights, if you look at the light properly, then the light has not changed. But the surrounding of the light is changed. So the surrounding, the, 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 the sunlight, will affect the, 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 the perception you have about that light. But if that light is very clear to your mind, then by itself it will not change. You can adjust, you know, okay, now the sunlight is there, but you know, you know that you are looking that light that is, uh, uh, that is there. So, so uh, the, the quality of the light will, will be affected because of, your, of because of the external light but actually uh, it will still be stable if your mind is fixed there. And and what's stable is is the quality of the light, but but the the brightness will change with the external light. Yes, a little bit, but the stability will be that uh, it will not move around and also it will not disappear. You will still be able to see that light which uh, which has a a form or or which which has a type of The brightness will still be there. But uh, you will be able to discard the external brightness. Although it may influence, it may be more difficult to identify that uh, night light if, the, if you are in the day, but uh, if it has been clear in the night and uh, you know it very well, then even in the day when you look uh, at the, that light that is there, it will still be there.